And if there's one thing you want someone to walk away with after they've read the report, what would it be? That the music industry has to change and sign more women. You know, mm. only 20% of label rosters or female, 20 20%. And there were dozens of labels who didn't have a single woman signed to them at all. You know, which is just extraordinary. So I think, you know, I'd, I'd really like to think it was a bit of a wake-up call that the industry didn't mm. realise it was, it was quite so stark. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Lou here from Stereo Fox, and yeah, welcome to another episode of Fox Tales. <laughs> I like how I said that. Anyway, as you must have seen from the title, we're about to dive into quite a sensitive topic. I'm talking about the gender pay gap in the music industry. And, you know, even though we're in an era where women are really successful and shifting cultural landscapes with their influence in music, the value-wide pay gap in the industry continues to reduce at a glacial pace. Just so we're on the same page, uh, the gender wage gap in general refers to the difference in earnings between women and men. And for some reason, on average, women in virtually every country are paid less than men. This is quite a complex issue linked to politics, economics, and even sociology. And there are a range of variables in play that make it tough to answer the question, why are women paid less than men? However, in the music industry, it takes on a completely different form, and that's exactly what we'll discover today. I recently wrote an article called How These Five Factors Contribute to the Gender Pay Gap in the Music Industry, and yeah, we'll leave a link to the article in the description. And for the piece, I also interviewed five women who gave their perspective on the matter. Hearing their stories truly accentuated that we don't only have a pay gap, but we still have a long way to go when it comes to the treatment of women in the music industry in general. In fact, let me read you a quote from one of the people I interviewed for the, for the article. <clears throat> I was grossly underpaid when working for a booking agency. I handled the logistics, accounts, communities, and social media, as well as the booking schedules for 28 artists. The owner earned a percentage of all the bookings, but all I earned was a set salary that wasn't even enough to cover rent. This was fairly early in my career, and I saw it as a earning my stripes kind of scenario until I realized I was blatantly being taken advantage of. <sighs> that's, uh, that's quite deep. Um, if you're a guy listening to this, and you have female friends that have been working in the industry for quite some time, dude, ask them about their experiences. Have a conversation with them about it, and just listen. You're bound to walk away with some newfound perspective. Um, talking about newfound perspective, that's exactly what I walked away with after my conversation with today's guest. For this episode, we invited Vic Bain, who is a campaigner for women in music through researching, training, presenting, and consulting on all aspects of diversity in creative industries. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, doing research on her was a deep dive as she's involved in a range of projects. Um, Vic has extensive experience in the music industry as she was the CEO for Basca, which is British Academy for Songwriters, Composers and Authors. She sat on the UK Music Board, the UK Rights Committee, the UK Music Diversity Task Force. And keep in mind, the boards I just mentioned are only a few that, um, are only a few that I'm mentioning, actually, because she's sat in a lot more than that. Now she works as a freelance music industry consultant, a curator of the F-List, She's a director of an organization called Now. She works right now. She works as a freelance music 
uh, right now. She works as a freelance music industry consultant, a curator over at the F-List, a director of an organization called Pippa. Pippa? Pippa? Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. And she's the director of an exciting music tech startup called Delic. I can't neglect to mention that she was also enrolled into BBC Radio 4's Women's Power Power List in 2018. Yo, I need to our and power confused there. <laughs> there was actually a study she published called Counting the Music Industry, and we'll link that in the, in the description too. Essentially, it's a gender audit of over 300 labels and music publishing companies that uncovers how the music industry supports men compared to how it supports women. In the report, various topics are covered, including the gender pay gap. She was like, like she was the person I wanted to have as a guest for this episode in particular, and I'm super thankful she joined. So yeah, without further ado, let's jump in into the conversation with Vic Bain. And yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy and walk away with some new farm perspective. Peace. Hi, Pam. How's it going, Vic? How you doing? Yeah, I'm all, I'm all right. Uh, yeah, I'm having a good, a productive day. I think. Yeah, you think? Yeah. <laughs> There's a bit of a doubt that I hear there. Did you have like a late, did you wake up a bit late or something? Uh, no, no, no. I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just um, writing a PhD chapter and it's um, it's a lot of brain crunching for for not many words. So, so mm. I'm slowly, slowly plowing, plowing through it. But yeah, it's a real... Um, trickle of a, of a of a chapter to get to get through <laughs> i can imagine damn when i was doing research uh yeah doing research uh for vic bain is an immense task i must say you do so much but also what i like is the fact that uh you put your heart into it and that really really shows i must say um like what do you think drives you to put so much heart into what you do and like what do you think uh drives you to be involved in so many different projects I think um, I've always been very motivated by the idea of social justice. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, that probably comes from, from my, my background, um, being born in the northeast of, of England in, in, in Newcastle. And um, you know, so from a very working class back, background, and being, you know, being raised, um, well, my dad, my dad is sort of very um, uh, socialist leaning. That, that sense of social justice um, has, has always been with me. And um, when I was studying and doing, and doing my degree in the, back in the Northeast, um, I ended up being very involved with the student union and student union issues. And so that sort of got me really um, interested in the, the idea of collective action. That was like putting your toe in the water, like right over there. Exactly, exactly in, my, in my early 20s. So when I mm. ended up um, at a membership organization, which was then called the British Academy of Songwriters and Composers, mm-hmm. where, where I spent thir- 13 years, that, you know, that just, it just felt like a, um, a, perfect, a perfect environment for me. That campaigning for the for the better good, mm-hmm. um, and campaigning for the better good of musicians was something yeah. which really really motivated me. So that yeah, that does come from 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 my very core. So all of my work now is is that intersection between um, social social justice, diversity and equality, and music. 
Hundred percent. That's why I like I knew that you were the right person for this topic and for this um, for this for, for this podcast episode. I remember when I was writing the the article which I covered in the intro. Um, your name, as I was doing the research, did come up here and there. However, only when I was done with the article, that's when I really found out about content in the music industry. And I really wish I used more of that uh, information from your gorgeous reports um, into the article that I wrote. And I must say, thank you very much for even taking the time to read uh, how these five factors uh, contribute to the, to, to the gender pay gap in the music industry. Um, yeah, but talking about the fact that you like are so involved in a range of different stuff, have you ever experienced burnout before? Well, you know, I think the what the whole reason I actually made the move down to Cornwall a few a few years ago was because I actually got breast cancer uh, back in 2017. So, you know, that was the only thing which uh, which put a halt <laughs> to um, to my to my work efforts. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had a very demanding job. I was I was commuting um, uh, into London because I lived I lived just outside of London at that at that point. So I was commuting for many hours. And with all of the um, treatments that I had to undergo, that was an incredibly um, stressful year, you know, and I had Whoa. to keep stepping, stepping back and taking, taking time out. And then I realized that I needed to do a bit more about keeping my work-life balance, um, you know, a bit, yes, a bit more, a bit more balanced. So uh, yes, I made some some pretty big life life decisions uh, then, and in, in 2019, I moved I moved down to Cornwall. So it does it does allow me a bit a bit more uh, time time out and rest time. So I've definitely not got the same the same energy levels as I did mm-hmm. before before cancer. So you know that really that really has left uh, an, an impact that. Um, you have to you have to listen to to your body so that you know that is something that i do have to um really yes really watch so i'm balancing a phd with consulting and mm. with all of my campaigning and i do i do have to watch that's why that's why i asked about the whole burnout thing because i was going as like i was saying i was going to doing doing research and then i was thinking how does she find the time for, for for everything? And you're also involved in stuff that aren't entirely music related. Like Delic is a more, leans towards more tech, and I was like, damn, even Delic, even tech world. <laughs> but, but that is, but that is the music technology company as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, so that that is my interest in 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 that particular startup. So yes, I have found myself on the on a lot of on a lot of boards <laughs> you know I enjoy it all it's all really interesting and it all you know it all um yeah it's all things that I, I, I you know I feel very very positively about so I give I give what time I can. Mm-hmm. Going back to Basca um you mentioned that around your time when you were at Basca that really ignited your passion and interest for greater diversity in in music I'm curious to find out well, how was your experience as the CEO there, and what kind of change did you set out uh, to make when the passion for greater diversity really uh, took over you? So, working in that world, which was primarily composers and songwriters, uh, you know, it did um, become very apparent to me. It was very, very male dominated, and in fact, it was very white male middle class domin- dominated. Uh, but at that time, and I'm sort of talking, yeah, maybe t- 2005 when I arrived to 2012, which is when I when I stepped into the CEO role, 
there wasn't a lot of data or statistics to to really articulate or prove what I what I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. So um, I did a bit. I did a bit of research, which I published in in in, in 2012 about employers' attitudes to equality and di- diversity. That's interesting, yeah. And, and that sort of set you know set um, set fire to my to my interest in in that area. And uh, so while I was CEO, I, I, you know, I commissioned um, a bit a bit more research and also did. Um, you know, some data data crunching. Really, never more than about twenty percent of the of the membership were female. Whoa. So it was obvious that that world in particular was much more male dominated, um, and that you know it just really fascinated me. Well, why 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 was that? You know, yes. And then and then you know, is there anything that we could we could be doing about that? So. My whole time as CEO, I was, you know, always talking about diversity issues, mm. but always encouraging women to participate and to get involved in the committees and, and, and so on. And, and we set up um, in about 2015 a student m- membership as well. And that was really interesting because it didn't, you know, at a younger age and an earlier career stage, it was about 40% female. So it became obvious to me that there was some there was some sort of drop off yeah. between women studying and being interested in songwriting and composing and there being able to sustain a professional career. And indeed, in my PhD research, which I'm now doing, looking at women's careers in music, that that pattern is still um, is still prevalent. Is still obvious to me that there's something that there's something that's going on in in women's um, early music careers. Whoa! And is this going to be like the your, your next paper that you're going to be publishing? Well, in a few in a few years, um, I'm writing an academic book chapter now, looking at women's precarious careers in music. But my yes, my PhD, I'm not going to finish for another maybe three or four years. So it's a long, it's a lot. I've, I've been at it two years already. It's a very long term com- commitment. Mm. I want to head to the counting the music uh, report. I must say, uh, I just when I when I went into it, there was a point where I kind of wasn't surprised. But what I was surprised by was like I guess how the numbers make it so much more of a stark reality. Like this is something that is like really going on and it can really, what I think the paper can do for someone going into it, it can ignite, um, like ignite or maybe even start turning the gears slowly for someone to make a difference. Um, I'm curious as to what was the hardest part about, about creating the report? Getting started to be, to be honest, you know, it was something I had tried to, to start while I was still at Basco, but it was such a big piece of work, I didn't really have time. So it wasn't until I had left. Um, and it was sort of the six months before I started my PhD. And I thought, well, now is now is the time. And the, um, the data collection and um, number crunching took four months to do. So it was, you know, it was an astonishing amount of work, (laughs) but I just knew I had to, I had to, I had to do it because I knew it would, it would tell a really Mm. interesting story. Looking, looking at the rosters of of publishing labels and record labels, nobody, um, 
nobody had done that before. I don't even think anybody has 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 done that, you know, in in any of the territory because it's very labor intensive. Um, so analyzing, I think it was about three hundred and thirty labels, you know, and systematically going through and and analyzing. Well, how many women have they got signed? How many yeah. women are they financially supporting? Um, yeah, it just it just took a very very long time to be able to do that because I had to to be able to identify all mm-hmm. of those musicians. So you know, some of them were very were very obvious and names um, are very gendered, but not always. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was you know in, in, in some of the bands identifying um, all of the members of the bands took quite a lot of research as well. So, um, you know, I I relied on Google, Wikipedia, Discogs, various databases Uh, to really, you know, to to really get in and try. Mm. So, yes, it was a lot of um, very labor intensive (laughs) uh, research, but I knew as I was very well received, though. I love the fact that I think even uh, BBC covered it as well, like a range of publications and people, it caught the attention of many and I'm like really glad that it really blew up. And if there's one thing you want someone to walk away with after they've read the report, what would it be? That the music industry has to change and sign more women. You Mm. know, only 20% of label rosters or female, 20, 20%. And there were dozens of labels who didn't have a single woman signed to them at all, you know, which is just extraordinary. So I think, you know, I'd, I'd really like to think it was a bit of a wake-up call that the industry didn't mm. realise it was it was quite so stark. Recently, a friend of mine actually asked me a question of, he was really confused. He has more of a real slash business background. And since I have more of a music background, he asked me, hey, Lou, um, Tell me something, man. How come there are like how come there are so many more guys in the music industry than than, than women? And for him, he he's a, he has a very analytical mind, and he's like uh, he said something along the lines of creativity doesn't lean towards gender in any sort of way. But how come there's like there's that there's that large disparity? And I had no answer for this. And what I love the fact that, what I love about his question is that it really uh, led me to do more investigating. And we actually published um, an article about this representation. One of my one of my colleagues and and I decided to jump more into the gender pay gap side of things because as I was doing research about about the disparity I also found out there's also a pay disparity as well and the thing about the gender pay gap is like it isn't just a music thing but I think in the music industry it takes on a different form completely because um, I feel as if when it comes to the gender pay gap in general there are so many um, variables that um, that are attached to it that it's that it'll be very tough for one study to even cover why it even exists in fact there are some people that even think it's it's a it's a complete myth as well but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on what do you think is an important factor that tends to be overlooked when it comes to discourse about the gender pay gap in general well I've got whole books about the gender pay gap and and probably about maybe 60 or 70 articles you know that i've that i've used to 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 inform my thinking and my understanding about the gender pay gap and i can i can say for certainty that it's real and it exists um and it is apparent all over the world and it you know it is a phenomenon which um which really comes as a result of of women having entered 
the workforce mm -hmm. over the past 50 years in increasing numbers. But because women tend to have more responsibility for the home, yeah. and definitely in, term, in terms of raising children, women, women are um, sort of funneled into, into occupations which are not as well paid. And that tends to come about through, um, through part-time working, flexible working, you know, these sorts of, um, these sorts of um, you know, work contracts, which are, which are just not as well paid or well regarded as men's jobs, which tend to be full-time, full mm -hmm. um, you know, and have, um, and have very steady career, career progression. So the roles that women find themselves in are just not as well paid. So looking looking at the gender pay gap in in music, what what you really see from the data is women are clustered in the the you know the lower levels, the entry level jobs in in those organisations, um, and yeah, they're just they're just not as not as well paid. So we, yes, we do see that in 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 every single sector, mm -hmm. but in in you know in music, it's bad. It's uh, you know it is the the pay the pay gaps are quite are quite dramatic and certainly the the bonus pay gaps are absolutely unbelievable, um, but what the what the government data doesn't doesn't show are the the pay gaps for the musicians, and the uh, musicians are self employed even if on you're signed point, to a label. Actually, on that point, there was something that I came across on cons in the music industry. I was I was kind of clear about, but I really want to ask you this. Uh, let me just read the read the quote. You mentioned that. Hopefully, I read this right. Okay, let me just actually read this. Research published by HoneyBook in 2019, a management and invoicing platform used by freelancers, analyzed over 350k invoices and found female musicians had earned only 38% of what their male colleagues had earned. And this is this is the part. And uh, you mentioned the greatest pay gap of any of the professions. Are you there saying that? uh the music industry has the greatest pay gap in any profession in in that honeybook report in the on on, on all of the professions on that um, oh, on that okay. website it was it was their it was their greatest gap Whoa, that they okay. that, that that they had that he, they had realized out of how many how many um uh, you know in its self-employed people who use that platform but it was hundreds of thousands of invoices that they they analysed, and music and music was uh, yes had the biggest the biggest pay gap. So for so for fee, you know for everything I've looked at, which um, which has little kernels of data in it about the earnings of self female self employed musicians, they are they are being paid a fraction of what male musicians are being are being paid, and you, you, lots of lots of that is hidden. So it, you know, it really has taken me years of research and um, investigation to try and find, um, you know, bits, bits and pieces of data and in information. And uh, yeah, the everything, everything I've found has shown a, a really extreme pay, pay gap for female musicians. And if you don't earn money out of your music, you can't, you can't be that that thing professionally can you so you you know so it it, it is a i think a really key factor 
in women in women dropping out and not being able to sustain their their professional careers. It actually also has a, a snowball effect when it comes to representation. I think with the the more women that drop out, I think the more uh, younger women ha um, the more younger women can't see themselves in the music industry by virtue of the lack of representation. So that also has a place on how people see themselves in the world. If they if there are less women in the music industry, younger women would, would, wouldn't feel as if it's a thing for them. Um, yeah, like even though there are, even though the, 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 the success of uh, female musicians these days is definitely better than before in the past, I think representation and of course pay is, is, is like, like we're mentioning quite, quite, uh, quite a severe issue. And even the, the issue with Haim, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, Haim, they had an issue where they were paid, let me just clarify for the folks that don't know who Haim is, they're like an icon, iconic indie band made up of uh, three women. And they had an issue, I think back in 2018 or maybe even 2019, where they played at a festival and they were paid 10 times less than a particular, particular band. And that literally goes to show that regardless of the level that you're based in, this is still uh, effective. Yeah, that was that. It was it was um, they they found out they were being paid a lot lot less than another band on the same lineup, and yeah. they had the same agent, so they fired their agent. Yeah, that was a boss move. <laughs> that was a really boss move. <laughs> I'm curious to hear um, in which way would you say the gender pay gap in the music industry impacts everyone involved in the music industry? Well, it, it's a, you know, it, well, it certainly has an impact on, on the women, mm -hmm. you know, you know, the gender pay gap, um, you know, even if it's only a few percent here, here and there over a lifetime in lesser earnings, it's been calculated. It can, it can be about 250,000 pounds. So it, you know, over, over a, or more over a lifetime, it, it certainly amounts to, to a vast amount of money. Um, so yeah, so that has an impact on society, doesn't it? You know, on on women's um, women's ability to you know provide for their for their families and their children, and yeah, the impact the impact uh, wide um, society wide imp impacts are, are, are very very huge. I think there's also there's been all sorts of sort of government and OECD um, analysis showing you know showing the benefits. That would that would come and to governments as well that mm. would come for, for women being being paid um or, you know on a more equal parity with men and it's it's it would just make the world a better place for everyone um you've also mentioned in many talks that women in leadership roles would definitely make a difference towards a range of gender issues women face in music this is where i think the subject of the glass ceiling comes in where i think to kind of properly clarify this it's pretty much when Oh, sorry, the glass ceiling is pretty much a colloquial term that describes the inability of like certain groups to achieve promotion to upper echelons, regardless of their expertise and abilities. And in short, women can literally see, see the men moving up towards positions of power. However, can't really break through the glass themselves. And I'm curious as to like, why do you think it is that's holding companies back from promoting women to the upper echelons of organizations? It, well, it's definitely multifaceted, it, it, you know, from, um, you know, organisations which are male dominated, um, you know, can tend to re reward and promote people who look like them. Mm. So, mm. you know, that, 
we all recruit in our own image is is that sort of unconscious bias is something that that all you know um, managers and recruiters should be absolutely aware of um and and try to work against and then there's all sorts of research as well which which shows that um you know, appraisal systems and reward systems and this idea of, um, you know, who, who deserves merit and who, and who deserves promotion is very gendered. And the decisions, the people making those decisions, be they men or women, um, tend, tend to um, have stereotypes in their, in, their, in their heads about, you know, who is, who is worthy of being promoted and who makes a good leader. And it tends to be the stereotype of the of the middle class white man. So we see, you know, we see we see this um, this sort of pyramid in in throughout organisations where the higher the higher up these ranks you, you go, it's um, you know it becomes a woman free zone, especially especially at board level. Whoa! And I think in one of the I think in one of the academic papers that I that I read regarding this uh, regarding this this conversation, um, they mentioned well, regarding this topic particularly. It was the quote I vividly remember was uh, the best and in, in inverted commas the best hire is the person that matches uh, how the person looks like, and it's literally what you're saying about people hiring uh, by virtue of how of, of the amount of people that look like they can fulfill that position that are already in the in the role. And from one of the people that I interviewed, they literally mentioned this, um, where there's like a, I guess, a bro culture when it comes to to work sometimes, where the, the I guess, dudes communicate a certain way that, that, that they want to, I guess, perpetuate that and hire another dude to kind of continue that, I guess, bro culture. I'm quite curious about how you were treated and perceived when you were a young woman who had entered the music business compared to when you, I guess, were, were, were in a position of power as a CEO. Like how did that, how was that different? Especially because there's also like unrealistic expectations of how a woman in power uh, would behave and look like. Um, whereas, and I think a good example is like, if a guy is, if a guy in power uh, like makes the right decisions, if he's uh, like somewhat, uh, authoritative and stuff like that he could come across as uh, uh, confident whereas if a woman can possess those similar qualities it could come across as uh, bitchy or bossy and stuff like that but yeah I'm very curious to hear your experiences yeah so you're talking you're talking about um, sort of you know real stereotypes about about leadership qualities there so the leadership qualities are um, you know what we what we call that essentialized as male a coded wow. as, as uh-huh. male so you know to be to be confident to be agentic to be in in control all of these things are really linked as you know and seen as male characteristics and so if a woman displays them she is seen as going as sort of breaking her gender rules so she's she's punished she's seen as you know as you as you said, maybe a bit a bit bossy. She's seen as cold, um, and that will that will create a bit of a backlash. So women in leadership positions have to do this dance, this crazy dance between being between being assertive and, and in control, 
but not being hated. <laughs> oh. So by being by oh, being warm, you know, you've got to be warm and a bit nice because those are feminine qualities, but you have to be in charge and make tough decisions as well, you know, and that that dance is very difficult for, for a lot a lot of women to do. So yeah, it's um was it's it something you experienced? It as something, well? Yes, it is something that I've experienced. Absolutely, absolutely. I knew, and you know, I have definitely. I think all all women um, managers and bosses have have ex- experienced that for sure. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because I didn't I didn't see the underlying dance like that way. Damn, that's uh, that's deep. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Going back to kind of the, the music industry, it states that 20% of songwriters who are signed to labels, well, 19.68, <laughs> but in, <laughs> anyway, 20% of songwriters who are signed to labels in the UK um, are women. How does the issue of underrepresentation leak into the gender pay gap as well? So, well, it's, you know, it just, yes, it's part, it's part of the same the same sort of pro-structural society processes, really. So, you know, women, um, I just don't think women's work is, is, is valued in, in the same way. So there are, you know, there are fewer women who are being, who are being signed to labels and publishing companies. There are fewer women being invested in. And the, you know, and the ones who are, their work is not taken as seriously or given the same level of support or exploited um, yeah. to the same to the same level as uh, as them as their male counterparts so it um you know it yes it's all i think it's all part of the of the same the same sorts of processes and what is alpha male bonus culture i didn't i don't get what that is exactly there's a real there's a real um you know what we what we sort of call hegemonic masculinity um, culture in in a lot of organisations. So you you know, it, it, real masculine qualities, and I'm and I'm and I'm saying that in brackets, mas- masculine um, of you know being being um, work workaholics, always being present, always. Um, you know, be, maybe being very aggressive in their in their negotiations. You know, these these sorts of uh, qualities are, are rewarded. Um, so that's sort of what I'm talking about by being an alpha an alpha male. Um, and you know, it's been very very um, <clears throat> focused on getting their bonuses. So that you know, we see we see that in some of in some of these pay gaps for um, for, for 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 the bonuses, which are extraordinary. You know, they're 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 about double um, of the of the salary pay mm-hmm. pay gaps, the bonus the bonus gaps, and it just makes me wonder. You know, so so goodness, who who is being paid? What roles are being rewarded? that much why are those roles being being rewarded so much more than the the roles the women are doing you know i don't have the answers to that because i don't you know i've not i've not interviewed the um the men and women who are work, working in these in these in these major companies but i would love to <laughs> mm. this literally goes back to what you were saying like if so basically if a man possesses those i guess in inverted commas alpha qualities there's a good chance that they're going to be rewarded 
And this goes back to what you're saying, where if a woman possesses and uh, exhibits those same, I guess, alpha qualities, they have to do a sort of dance between them in terms of uh, finding a way to be, I guess, liked, but still finding a way to uh, to exhibit those qualities. Okay, mm. I'm getting it. I'm getting. I have a clearer picture, especially since what we just talked about when it comes to when it comes to leadership. Um, in kind of the in, in kind of the music industry, you also mentioned that the live sector is uh, is pretty like the three companies. I think it's AEG, uh, Live Nation, and there was another one. Uh, they consistently pay they they pay gaps of the pretty much the worst uh, uh, from in the organizations. What do you think it is about the live sector that produces this kind of reputation? I I honestly don't don't know. Um, you know, I mean, I know I know that festival promotions and 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 tours do involve big big money. Uh, you know, when when Ed Sheeran goes on tour, he makes a lot of money, but it costs a lot of money to put on as well. Um, and, you know, some of the huge festivals cost a vast amount of money to put mm-hmm. on. So, it, you know, so it's definitely high high stake in, in, in terms of um, financial in, in investment. But, yeah, I just can only um, presume that the people at the top of these organizations, they must be all men because their pay gaps are, are, are very high and, uh, and their bonus pay, pay gaps have been extraordinary. But looking, looking at 2020's um, results, actually, it's been very sad to see, you know, the live um, sector has been hit by COVID more than anything and nobody mm-hmm. is paying, has, been, has been paying bonuses. So they're, they're just in survival mode right, right now. Uh, which is, you know, which is really, which is really sad to see. But they've still, they've still got massive pay gaps <laughs> on their, on their, on their salaries. So yes, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know um, really enough about their internal structures, other, other than looking, looking at the um, what are called the quartiles in these pay gap reports. They also have to have to report. How many women they have working working in the top quarter, um, the middle top, the middle bottom, and the bottom quarter, and it's this this pyramid again, pyramid, this yeah. triangle of lots of lots of women in the in the lower quarters and um, it, losing losing women on on every every layer. Have you heard of that? Um, um, there was a festival in Sweden, right? That. It was pretty much a woman only festival and what i mean by that is it was run by only women they had uh female bands the organizers like i mentioned were, were women and anyone's anyone's able to come like men can come anyone's able to come um however it got banned uh by the swedish government because apparently it's it, it falls under discrimination or something like that even though yeah. anyone is welcome to come um i didn't what, 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 were, what were your thoughts about that yeah, that's it. Well, that's interesting because the, you know the Swedish, uh, well, Scandin- across Scandinavia, they're much more supportive of right? quotas. Yes. Yeah, they're, they're much more supportive um, of it. But you, you know, even even in the UK, you're not allowed to positively discriminate. So you oh. might have an, you might have an organisation where um, you know you really you really need 
you really think, oh, I could do with more women on my on my team. I've only got two women. I could do with more women. I'll put a job advert out. You're not allowed to say, can only women apply, please? Because that's discriminating against men. What what where you are allowed to use um, gender is if as a tiebreaker. So if you have a uh, a man and a woman who both have sort of equal amounts of experience and qualifications, then you can say, well, then then I'll employ the woman. So you're not you're not allowed to positively dis- discriminate, you, you know, and, and, and unless it's sort of part of what's called positive action. You can have mm. positive action initiatives, you know, um, um, training, training courses or intern programs or management development, you know, which are which are allowed to correct pre- previous a- areas of discrimination. Just learned a new word today. I didn't actually know there was a thing as positive discrimination. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I want to jump into the, 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 the motherhood penalty real quick because you did mention it. And for those that, that aren't entirely sure what it is, it pretty much refers to the way that women's earnings are negatively impacted by having slash raising children while men's slash father's earnings are literally uh, not impacted um, at all. What? They go up? There's a fatherhood. A bonus. <laughs> the research shows that, um, it, yeah, men men who become become fathers and um, yeah, they're rewarded. They're rewarded, but but but, but women women lose out. Their careers oh, are okay. dramatically okay. impacted. So yeah, there's a motherhood penalty and a and a fatherhood bonus. I wanted to find out how the motherhood penalty, in your opinion, how does the motherhood penalty um, play a role in the in the music industry and women getting paid less, particularly in the music industry? Well, the whole structures are, are, are really, you know, act as, act as barriers. If you, if you, if you have children, um, as a woman, you know, you, you, we have a very, we have a reasonably equal society now in terms of education. But as soon as we have children, it's, you know, we go all the way back to the 1950s and, you know, the <laughs> And the, the amount of women who said that to me during during COVID when, you know, it was majoritively women who were taking on those caring responsibilities as, as well. So, you know, that, you know, how do you balance that? It's called the dual burden. How do you balance this, this career with your caring responsibilities? Who was who the person who has to pick the children up from school at quarter past three every day? What does that do to your to your career? So women tend to, to move into part-time jobs or flexi working or self-employment when, when they have children, because a lot of employers are just, you know, not understanding or supportive enough to allow women to keep their career statuses and job titles and pay structures when they when they move into these into these sorts of roles. So it you know it's a real um, it's a real tricky tricky balance for, for, for women, which you know which can be addressed. But we need not just not just through more enlightened employers, but we need far better government support as as well. And it's possible you know there are there are countries in the world who are really who are really leading the way in this. But the UK is far far behind, and the cost Sweden. of childcare is just yeah. extraordinary. Yeah, Sorry? Sweden, I think Sweden, hmm. or maybe even one of the Scandinavian yeah. countries, they have 
And I have a thing where I think the, there's a father's leave where they encourage dads to leave for so that women can also, uh, instead of, it basically curves the whole drop of, apparently a woman's uh, earnings drop around the ages of 30, 40, which is pretty much like prime time for, for motherhood. And they, they mentioned that, which country was this again? I'm pretty sure it was Sweden though, where, where dads can look after, look after the kids. But apparently even that's not really helping enough uh from what from what i was when I, from what i heard from the study yeah analysis uh, across various scandinavian countries is show, you know shows that uh, yeah they have sort of like a take it or leave it and i think it's up to 18 months or two years it's it's a long period of time where you know the woman can have a have a year off and the dad can have a a, a, a year off um, and it's substantially um, paid for by by government subsidies as as well as em- a- employers. But there's a lot of a lot of support for, for that. So um, it, you know, so per- so paternal leave is is far far better than it is in the UK, which is only mm-hmm. I think it's only like two percent take up because it's unpaid. Uh, so unless you have family economic resources. Um, you know, or the woman is a significantly high high earner. Most most men do. You know, one economically say they can't afford to, but also there's cultural resistance as well. But in 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 Scand- across Scandinavia, it is much much better. Um, although it's not it's not it's not perfect and it's not fifty fifty. But you know, they're head they're heading that way. Mm, almost like trailblazers, pretty much. Um... Yeah. I also wonder if, Anna, uh, to you, what does equality in the music industry look like? Like well, the same 50, way, 50. the same way Mon had a dream. This is uh, Vic has a dream. Like, what's what does my, it look like? <laughs> my, my dream. Well, it's proper equality. You know, equality, equality of op- opportunity, and you know, and that and and inclusion, and that means fifty fifty investment from the from the the record labels and the music publishing companies and they are the you know the r and d um engines of the of the whole music industry so until their rosters are equal <laughs> you know i yes i won't i won't um i won't relax until until mm. we're we're well up, well on our way to to, to that, that do you believe in the whole, do you do you believe in the whole thing of um setting a goal or um a dream so big that it's like difficult to achieve to kind of keep you keep you going no i'm totally motivated by by that every day I to, and mm. i totally think it's it, it's it, it's possible you know um we have we haven't talked about my my f-list music directory that's literally gonna be the next <laughs> that's gonna be my next question <laughs> but actually yeah Which i is, think that's a perfect yeah segment. you know I'm gonna I was going to ask you, yeah, you, you literally are involved in a range of initiatives and I've also been in, involved in a range of uh, initiatives that foster equality. So like, how are those initiatives uh, making a difference, particularly towards the gender pay gap? Because I know the F-list would be, I think, great for representation because you, you find like a whole catalog of women that are able to do a vast uh, array of different things. But particularly for the gender pay gap, how do, how does, how do the initiatives kind of play a role? Well, it you know it is it is the um, the vision of the of the F list, which I've set up as a not for profit or, uh, organization, 
that you know women will have their careers sustained they'll be able to start and sustain their, their music careers for longer and a key part of that is them being paid properly so you know is them getting professional work and investment in the first place and when they do to be to be um uh, you know on on equal parity with their with their male their male counterparts so my research is all is all about um revealing you know revealing the areas of discrimination and inequality in the music industry and calling that out bringing mm. attention to it then we can have a conversation about it i do i do lots of work with uh with various music organizations business consulting and training so you know we 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 can we talk about these these issues um to enable them organizations to have the better 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 knowledge and tools on how how to address all of this so yeah i hope i hope through through my my research and my directly working with organizations and my campaigning that people people just think you know oh yes we have you know so we only 20% of our roster is female mm, well, what can we yeah. what can we do about that um yeah so i hope i hope i hope i'm st- starting to make to make a difference i 100% think you are 100% um i actually wanted to find out um in your opinion what can we as trash <clears throat> sorry i mean men do to help fight for <laughs> well what can we as men help um how can we help for, to fight for equality in the music industry particularly the men that are involved in the music industry too it's yeah it's really important that that men are part of this conversation because hey you you guys are in charge you know you run the show you're 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 the gatekeepers so we need we need men to um you know to look at all of this 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 data and and research with a with openness and you know and an understanding that that's not that's not right but as men you have the power to change to change it do you think so, it uh, varies across like like varies across societies like i guess certain societies um like i'm going to bring up a society like uganda for instance i feel as if their society is a lot more uh like men has the power and there's like the the change is not going to happen anytime soon and like the flexibility isn't quite there yet uh it's like very i guess steeped in patriarchy whereas uh, i guess society which is found like let's say um yeah i'm just going to bring up portugal for instance or maybe even a place like scandinavia where they are a lot more lenient to having equality so don't you think that's also relevant to um what's what's the word uh, specific to to the, the society yeah there's definitely there's definitely different cultural manifestations mm. and you know what uh, what you would call intersectionality you know all sorts of com- com- combinations um of ve- you know various characteristics your, your, your age your ethnicity your, your your gender your social class and you know and it has a different flavor i think in every single country so you know but i mean interestingly enough the con- the country it's my understanding the country that has the best political representation from women is now rwanda they Wait. have more oh, yes they do yes 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 they really, do they have more women in their parliament you know and it's all part of their their healing after mm. after you know and their, the their efforts after their, their civil war they're like man we need the women in charge 
<laughs> which is amazing, you know. So it's really fascinating. Um, yeah, reading reading about about countries like that who who are leading leading the way. But then, you know, looking at other countries like Afghanistan, which oh my gosh, you know, it's 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 just gone back centuries in a in a you know in a few, a few <laughs> summer. Yeah. So that's you know, that's really that is really uh frustrating. But um yeah, lots 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 of countries where where there's a lot where there's much more hope. And yeah, I hope I hope all society follows follows the uh, the example of Rwanda. Mm, I think they also uh in my opinion, I think they've also they kind of like lighting a torch in the dark for other African countries in the sense of what, what we can do for you, for, for your nation. Um, especially like, since I mentioned before, a lot of other countries are very resistant to having uh, more women in charge of their organizations and their political systems. And yeah, they are really, like I mentioned, like shining a torch in the dark. Um, mm -hmm. Do you feel as if uh, there's anything you'd also like to mention before we, uh, before we, 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 we wrap up? Well, I just, you know, there's an awful lot of brilliant campaigns and initiatives going on for, for encouraging and supporting all aspects of diversity in music. So on my on my FLS Music website, I have I list over 50 of what I call sister organizations. And oh. these are cam campaigns and um, initiatives that are looking at, you know, um, disabled access. Uh, black and minority ethn ethnic par participation, um, age, you, you know, as well as for, for all all areas of women in music as well. And you know, the, they they are just amazing things going on. Uh, and I really I really feel like it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a growing movement. It's a growing movement and it's mm. having an impact and it, it is changing the um the conversation in the music industry so i've got i've got a lot of hope yeah and your work does inspire hope to other people as well um i must say also i think where when you said yes to the to the podcast um episode i was so nervous i was so so nervous especially um <laughs> Especially like, but what gave me, what gave me, like, I guess a lot more hope was when I sent you the article to read and you really enjoyed it. I was like, oh, she really mm, likes it. And I, I felt like, uh, I was like, oh my gosh, she, she, she liked it. <laughs> and that was me for the people yeah. that didn't see. That was me like really waving, good. waving my hands like a fan. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> but, I, but I think the more I prepared, the more excited I got for the conversation. And yeah, it also goes to show like how the power of preparation, I guess, because before I was so, so nervous. And yeah, thank you so, so much for your time, Vic. And yeah, I'm also going to be like linking, putting links to, to, to the organizations that you're involved in, in the description below as well, um, on whichever, wherever you're listening to this and yeah, what's, uh, what's, what's up for you next anyway, if I may ask. Gosh, lots and lots of things. Um, it, well, lots of PhDs, hard work and hard work and study, but also, also we are announcing uh, our, our next president on the 22nd of November, the president of the F-List. So this is a very famous female musician who so, sort of acts as a figurehead for, for us for the, for the year and helps us get publicity and, 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 and awareness. And so we've got a big, yeah, big press day announcement on the 22nd of November. And I'm, I'm very excited about that. So yeah, lots and lots of exciting things. We're going to be doing events and training and more research and all, all sorts this next what year. Kind of, going to be, what kind yeah. of training? 
Well, we, we ran 13 online events earlier this year, uh, training women in uh, sound recording techniques from home. Oh, okay. Giving, giving them um, ment- mentoring and emotional support. Um, giving them knowledge about the music industry and intellectual property and contracts and yeah, all sorts of things. So we're going to be we're going to be doing more more of that early early next year. Mm, that sounds so so exciting. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've asked everything I've if I wanted to ask. And um, yeah, do you have anything uh, you'd like to say? Or well, just uh, well, thank you very much for the the opportunity to to talk to you. I really appreciate it. And the more you know, the more people who who know about the the research and the data and the statistics, but also can can support our cam- campaign, the better. So, thank thank you very much. Mm. Our pleasure. Thank you so much for your time, and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks a lot.